This episode of It's Not Rocket Science will be joined by David Breakspear, a campaigner for prison reform. What makes David's experience especially unique, aside from his secular education, is his time served as a prisoner over a period spanning four decades. During this podcast entitled The Power of Choice, myself and David discuss why prison reform is essential for society, but also solutions that educational practitioners, prison officers, teachers and members of the public will find very insightful. I'd like to ask you first of all, um, can you explain to the audience, for those who don't know, what prison reform is? Um, I suppose um, in respect to prison reform in layman's terms, you could break it down to three fundamental areas. Um, I suppose to, to ensure that prisons are, are run effectively, that there's provision of meaningful and purposeful activity, and of course, along with decent conditions. Um, and then kind of on the other side of the fence, excuse the pun, you want to look at the um, implement, uh, implementation and availability of alternative sentencing. By that, I mean more of a view on seeing prison as a last resort, as in option number one, um, things like community payback, um, other community orders, supervision orders, drug rehabilitation orders. Um, I think we need to understand and, and look behind the sort of crime, if you like, and more the individual. And then, of course, you have the reintegration um, back into society, the actual rehabilitation bit. Um, the one uh, I, I personally believe that as a society we actually fall short on um, is the um, acceptance of someone that, that they say that a prison sentence or punishment is to pay your debt back to society. Well, I think that once someone has paid that debt back, I think society then should accept that and, and sort of move on and allow that person to move on with their life. So out of curiosity, what made you decide to want to get into prison before? Um, well, I mean, the easy answer is I sort of know nothing else, but, um, and, and they start, I think what's the saying is those that can't teach. <laughs> so no, I mean, um, it's because you'd like to think that, a, that for argument's sake, a prison governor, that a prison governor would want to run a prison not because they enjoy locking people up, but because they've got the experience and they've got the perspectives and, and the variety of perspectives to see what's going wrong within a prison. And in a way, I'd like to, I'm not calling myself a governor, but I'd like to think that I see it the same way that um, I've now got all of, this, uh, all of this experience from a, from a number of different perspectives. Um, and it enables me to, and because I become quite acceptant of my environment, which was the prison environment for a good number of years, um, I, I sort of cared about the environment. I cared about the people within that environment. And by some of the roles that I covered as a prisoner, I realized the difference that I suppose giving back can be, um, but also the difference that someone someone's lived experience can make peer-to-peer -peer. um i call it a trade of empathy when when you've got two people that immediately because of the fact you're both in prison you have something in common you share that common bond um and we all 
know how strong that bond can be. And especially if you look at a listener and, and his caller, um, the bond of trust that's created between those two people, because unlike the Samaritans, listeners see their callers on a daily basis, especially if on the same landing. So um, for me, yeah, it, it, it's about, it's about giving back. I mean, I am who I am now because of prison, not in spite of prison. So it's really time to give back. And, and I'd like to think that I do it in a way where I try and influence the way that people speak rather than, if you like, tell people what to think. Uh, sorry, influence the way people think rather than tell people what to think. Do, do, do you feel that you needed to go through those experiences? go to prison to essentially be the person you are now who knows actually i mean it's quite easy for me to turn around and say um this path was chosen for me years ago um however i can't do anything about changing it but what i can do is i can change my future with it i don't have to or i didn't have to live that life i didn't have to be like that anymore um and it again come down to choice decision change and that it wasn't as easy that i'll make it sound as if it was overnight of course it wasn't we've already mentioned at the start about four decade involvement so clearly it didn't happen overnight but then i i had certain things myself that i had to learn through the years but then i also was coming at it from a position of having suffered childhood trauma um, my first criminal offence at the age of 10. A, a serious illness as well at the age of 10 when I, when I um, contracted meningitis. So I had those three traumas at an early age and I'm not making reasons or excuses, um, but it kind of explains why I could have been slightly disruptive and challenging. <laughs> um, and if you like, I had, I had a responsibility to myself. Um, and unfortunately, that responsibility was was uh, not an epiphany moment, but it was something that came to me over the years as I got older. Was um, I, I I can choose, and, and it's you either choose if you're a victim, or you can choose if you're a survivor. And um, I don't want to say I'm a survivor of the prison system because it's I put myself in there. But um, yeah, I am. I'm not a victim of the system anymore. Um, I'm a survivor of the system. And I'm now using all of that and the passion um, for, for, again, I, th I think, I think. look, um, I know there's abolitionists out there that are going to totally disagree with me, but I think we as a society, unfortunately, prisons are a necessity, a necessity and even necessity. We have to have prisons, unfortunately. So it's, it's, it's then what is the purpose of prison? What, what do we do with these prisons? What do we do with these prisoners? Why, what's the value of prison? There's no point just putting people in there, otherwise it becomes an Argos warehouse. And um, they come out completely the same. So it's a waste of money. So um, what, what are the answers? What are the solutions? Well, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that after a 40 year relationship with the criminal justice system, I put all of my experience together all of my knowledge and skills together and on my own but with the support of prison staff managed to turn my life around with thanks to the library and the education department although in respect to the education department at 
was more about giving back because I funded my own external education because of the level. Um, I'm, I'm now sort of doing degree level, which I started in prison. Um, and that was because I'd already gone through the education process of prison and there was nothing left for me within the prison, prison classrooms other than become a mentor. Um, so the only, the only education that I could, what I felt I needed to improve my life um, and what I needed to do what it is that I'm doing um, was via student loan, so I'm paying for it myself or eventually will pay for it, was an open university degree via distance learning. Um, and that is what gave me not just the ability to be able to um, talk sensibly <laughs> rather than, oh, yeah, go. Um, but also the ability to put together, I hope, a structured argument um, and, and do it in a way that people can, can not only understand but also relate to and, and to, to, if you like, with a double message, there's a message there to the ministry and the government but there's also a message there to other prisoners about and their families and loved ones of hope that, that things can. There are good things going on, it doesn't have to be. Prison doesn't have to be the end. It can be the beginning. It, it, it's, 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 it can be, it can be, if you like, a swimming pool that sucks you down and drowns you, or it can become a very, very solid foundation from which, from where you can rebuild your life. Just out of curiosity, there, you mentioned that you you started your degree where you're in prison and you're still doing yeah. it now. What would you say to people who? mention that there's no better alternative than the present justice system? Um, I, I'm probably tended to, to agree with them to some extent actually, um, which may sound strange, but um, I last year I gave a, um, a talk at um, a magistrate's um, AGM, I won't say what county, and their, one, of their, one of the magistrate speakers was saying about they were talking about short-term sentences and they were saying that the problem is until the government and back then obviously there was still the, the debate going on in respect of CRCs, CICs and probation and so on and so forth and um, he was saying that how can, how can they, how can they, if you like, um, uh, have faith in, a criminal, in the alternative system when there isn't an alternative system? Um, hopefully now with pri uh, the, the probation service being private uh, renationalized once again um, we can find a little bit more stability within that area um, because it's very difficult I mean you've got to imagine you're dealing with some very complex lives and some very unstable lives and if they're coming out into an environment that's meant to be there to support them and aid them through rehabilitation and reintegration and they're all over the place themselves, it's not going to create much of a synergy and it's not going to create, if you like, what the government want and that's a reduction of offending and re-offending. Can you pinpoint anything in particular that's helped you be successful in your journey and ultimately stay uh, in prison? Yeah, um, <laughs> taking responsibility is one. Um, accepting who I was is another. Um, being determined to change that person because at the end of the day we're not born bad um, and again it's it's 
something that happened, there's, there's quite a few moments that happened in my life, but one sort of huge, profound moment, uh, or a few, I suppose, there was one in 2005 when I was in HMP Blunderstone, and it was when I become first involved, if you like, in citizenship within prison. Um, all the time before that, I'd been doing prison for me, for no one else. Um, and it was all about me in prison, not me setting myself up for resettlement, not me thinking about the day I get out, but me about, oh, I'm going to bang up at half past five on a Friday night with a bag of coffee when I didn't get none of my canteen. So um, that really was the, 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 out my prison life it was it was survival of prison so it wasn't until I, if you like 2005 when i become a mentor that i really started to understand what giving back meant um when i become a mentor for the shaman trust and from that i become a uh, i started training for the samaritans to become a listener and that if you like took it to a deeper level or another level even but a deeper level if you can have such a thing but it, 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 and again, it was when, when that experience of, of mine sort of clouded me around the back of the head and go, listen, look at this. Then in 2010, um, I was seeing a psychiatrist and a clinical psychologist. And the psychologist, sorry, the psychiatrist to me was, was just a messy guy. He looked like a school teacher. He, he had a bit of lunch down on, his, on his, uh, the side of his um blue tatty suit jacket he had half a shirt hanging out and his his office was his his was a health and safety nightmare there was books everywhere his filing cabinet drawers all open and i just sat there and i just thought you ain't gonna do nothing so i just played the game with him i just told him over the years you learn the story you know what to say you know what to don't what not to say so um he just got the story but then i met this clinical psychologist and just i don't know what it was there was just something about him and at the start, I was given these two psychosymmetric tests that I had to fill out. I'm like, oh, I'm all right, now I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. But then when I've gone in his office, I didn't get the, the results until a couple of weeks later. And then when I went in his office, it was just, it, 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 I suppose the, 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 the stereotypical typicalness of it really did hit me. It was like, there was a fireplace, there was a green armchair either side of this, mm. the leather armchairs as well, either side of this fireplace. I was like, wow, this shit's real. And um, and I thought, I am not going to get a thing past this geezer. This, this, this geezer knows what I'm going to say before I know it. And it was a case, right, fuck it. Uh, sorry. Um, it was a case of, right, that's it. Um, he's going to get the lot. And it was the first time, really, I've dealt with individual parts. In, in 2008, I tried to deal with um, the, the, the sexual abuse in the community which didn't really work out well and saw me end up back in prison um which is where i dealt with it um so if you like for me um the habit of my life was prison become my my rehab my my therapy my safe place my comfort zone um so but Again, like I say, responsibility, but you, you've got to have that support around you as well. It's got to be about support. You've got to have the right people around you because it's not everyone likes change. Um, however, prison officers, 
civilian staff that work within prisons. You'd like to think the management, you'd like to think HMPPS, the Ministry of Justice, and you'd also like to think the government and society want everyone to do well <laughs> in prison. So, um, yeah, that, that's it, 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 it's so really, yeah, that support is, is but when, when you have people believe in you, and this is what the, the degree did for me. It, it, if in a way, it, it, the degree proved all them teachers right. But if David applied himself, uh, if only David applied himself when I was at school. And, um, but then it makes me think that if I'm passing degree modules, I wonder what would have happened if my teachers had applied themselves to me, what I would have turned out to have been like, whether or not I would have had to have gone through the system that I went through um, as a as a what 15 year old boy when I got put into a, a, a care of the local authority into a children's home and then secure unit and detention centre youth custody. I wonder if the teachers had applied themselves rather than oh if David only applied himself. But that's fine. That, that that's can't change it. It's um it's all about tomorrow, not yesterday. What what do you what would you say to those teachers? teachers or those who teach at the moment like prison governors those who have a responsibility and duty of care uh what advice would you give those people listen listen don't 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 <laughs> don't treat children like adults by locking them up but then treat them like children by not listening to them you can't have it both ways most children these days especially children do you know what, right? here's, here's a really startling, now I've gone through this system and this really shocked me. 88% of children in the securest state, actually I'll say that again actually, 88% of children that are banged up in this country have been excluded at some point from school. I mean, that is incredible. And if you think that the, um, the securest state is, is fed from the pupil referral unit, it's like a pathway, it's like a, a one-way ticket. You get excluded from school and then you end up on a one-way ticket that takes you into the secure unit, into the white, the Young Offenders Institute, and then onto big man's jail. And who knows, even psychiatric hospital, who knows? And that's what that ticket buys you when you're excluded from school. So for me, um, it's, it's, it's about education, but it's about education in respect of the individual. Um, and, and, and talking about education, and, and, and of, of course we're talking about prison, that when, when we look at reoffending rates, the ones that really matter and the outcomes that really matter, it would appear, are the ones that come from the offender behavior courses. Now, I, I'm not 100% convinced that these offending behaviour courses work. And I know there's quite a high majority of people out there that also have that same belief. But one thing that is proven to work and one thing that is continued to prove to work, and one thing that the government are aware of, one thing that the HMPPS are aware of, and one thing that I think 80% of this country are aware of is that education works. Education makes the difference. And I'm not just talking about degrees. I'm talking about the individual holistic education. If we, if we as adults are not giving children the right opportunities for those individuals as children, 
then I think we're quite hypocritical when we come crashing down on those children and call them bad and start incarcerating them. I think it's time we start taking, not just, we, we need to invest in our youth. We're, we've got 2.5 billion pound earmarked for the building of new prisons. And yet you've got all these charities and all these organizations that exist on absolute pennies, yet make difference every single day. For some reason, and I don't know why, we seem to have come to the conclusion that prison can and does cut crime. It doesn't. It really, really does not. What cuts crime is one, provision early days to make sure that we've got enough investment in our youth so that crime, youth crime becomes a thing of the past, that all children, no matter their background, no matter their race, no matter religion, all have access to a good, a good education because at the end of the day, it's a good education that's going to help unleash what they're capable of. Now, if we start excluding these children from school that are searching for identities that are full of all this talent, full of all of this energy, full of all of this passion, and we release them to the streets, is it any wonder that we're seeing increase after increase of murders on our streets with kids, with county lines being able to find their recruitments on a daily basis because the system is providing the county line system with, with the, the runners they need by excluding these kids from school. Where they're being excluded and the support isn't there for these excluded children, the people that are providing the support are the gangs on the street that in no time stop being gangs and become families, become loved ones become people who you will die for. You will do anything for them. Even if it means you're 13 years old and you're gonna be sitting on a loaded gun for a week and your parents are religious parents. If, if, if that child has been excluded from school and left to the streets, that is reality. It isn't, it isn't Hollywood, it's reality. So unless we start investing in our, in our youth, we're just going to keep providing the criminal justice system with the cannon fodder it needs to keep growing itself as it seems to. Um, but once we, if you like, cut that head off the snake and we stop feeding the system, we can obviously start reducing the system and we can do that by focusing the resources then on the system in the places where it matters. And for me, rather than building new prisons. If you gave all these organisations, now I'm not saying they all do a good thing, there are some dodgy ones out there. However, there are the majority some doing some great stuff and they do it for the right reasons. They're doing it for the people in prison, not for themselves. And for me, it's those where the money needs to be spent. If we split 2.5 billion amongst all of these charitable organisations that work on peppercorn, or whatever it is, peppercorn, rent peppercorn rates, um, then we will see such a return on our investment. And the problem with, I mentioned offender behavior courses and education courses, is that offender behavior courses provide the government with a return on financial investment. With education, education provides nothing to do with finance, but it provides you with, if you like, um, a society, um, return on investment. However, that takes time. Uh, but if we start with the kids, 
or sorry, I, I hate using the term kids. If we start with our youth um, and invest in our youth and invest in our youth now, when you start thinking about the social return on investment and you look forward to the financial return on investment, which is when these kids, sorry, I said it again, when these children, these youth start becoming taxpayers, members of society, they're no longer taking from society, they're paying back into society. So every pound you spend now would probably be worth 10, 15 pound in five years time. That's real return on financial investment, but it's also a real return on a social return on investment. So um, that's, that's, that's where we need to really start focusing our energies. Let's, let's, let's set our kids up right. Let's give our kids, kids shouldn't have anything to do with life chances. It should be an equal playing field. It really should. Schools, everything it should be equal playing field. Yes, within the schools teach competition because life's shit and you need to be, un you need a bit of competition and a little bit of hunger and a little bit of passion. But we still need to create an equal basis uh, or even a, not just an equal basis, a basis of equity, where rather than provide it, we remove the obstacles completely. Let's not have to provide that support. Let's provide, let's remove the obstacles. So yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's right. Now you mentioned the word education. Um, yep. I'm, I'm picking up, I'm picking up skills. And you mentioned, you yep. mentioned like taking responsibility, um, I mean, something that stands out to me when you said taking responsibility is having drive. And mm. um, you could call that as a skill. Is it, I mean, going on that, on that theme, is there any skills, other skills you think that are important to develop for young people to go to avoid going down a road? Listen, think, think of, um, if you think of um, the prison landing um, and the forget academia, education or academic education for the moment if you think of the landings um you've got problem solving as a, as a skill um you pick up critical thinking as a skill making the right decisions at the right moments because the wrong decision can get you out in prison it's a dangerous place prison it's full of nasty people however it's full of nasty bad dangerous people that are also half decent people that do some really good stuff it's just unfortunate it sits the other side of the wall so you pick up teamwork you pick up community um especially on a sunday when six or seven of you all put your bits of chicken and spices into a bucket and have a community cooker okay. i mean there's so much transferable skills um that can be um um embraced if you like just on the land in itself. Then you've got the wing, which is just a, a wider society um, within that society. Um, and then you've got the wing next door, you've got the education, you've got, so when you, if you like, take a step back, you start to understand your environment, education. Once you start to understand your environment, you can then understand your position within that environment. It doesn't matter the environment, whether it's outside in society or whether it's inside in a prison. It's an environment. Hospital is an environment. Okay. So you, you, you have to be a certain way in hospital. You can't get out of bed and be running around up and down the landings. Uh, sorry, the wards. <laughs> so you have to adapt your behavior to the environment in which you sit. 
But the only way you can do that is to fully understand how you are and who you are within that environment. And again, that's through education. Again, that's not just academic education, that's self-education, that's understanding yourself, that's taking a look at yourself, having a look in the mirror. Um, and then it doesn't matter, again, I'll come back to this thing about degrees and that, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be about degrees. Education, all forms of education, be it life education, academic education, um, vocational qualification, all have different levels and they all have different levels for a reason because we all achieve different levels. We all have our own levels of success. Success is also subjective to the individual. I mean, some mornings I find getting up in the morning and dragging my bum out of bed and down the stairs to put the kettle on a success some days. Um, and yet other days I only find it a success if I've written 5,000 words on my next blog or something. So it's, it's not just subjective, it's subjective to your situation and also your circumstance. So um, again, that, that, that education, it's, it's a, that, that mixture of all of those different forms that creates this one whole package of education that if you can accept that environment in which you're in, um, if you accept it too much, unfortunately you become institutionalized. But um, um, yeah, so it, it, and as I say, the, the, the clinical psychologist, he, two weeks later when I received the report from him, um, he had listed some diagnoses and, and I mentioned the psychosymmetric tests. He knew I'd lied on them. So if, if or, or tried to make myself look better than I actually was, but he knew that. Now that was the first part of the report. Now, if you imagine, there's me as this psychiatrist, but he know mates, and I've got this psychologist that I'm kind of revering and, and putting on the pedestal. And I've sort of been a little bit sneaky and this guy sussed me out without him asking me. It's like, hold on a minute, I knew I... So anything he then said that followed on from that, I was going to take on board because this guy got me. He knew, how, how did he know I was lying? Was he, what, where was the cameras? Do you know what I mean? So anything he said after that really did follow. So what that taught me uh, and what I was able to take from that moving on uh, uh, when I sort of had other support was as soon as someone got me, I could therefore accept, but if someone, you get some people that try and pretend they know what they're talking about and you're like, if you know what you're talking about, you can see it coming a mile off. But when someone gets you, it, it just, wow, oh, wow, wow, it's like that. And it just, then, it's not about molding because we, we go back to taking responsibility, which again is a skill that you can learn from education because you're taking responsibility to educate yourself. And even if that means anything from and I'll go back to basic, learning to read, learning to write, um, learning to, um, learning the, multiple, uh, the, the, the times table, whatever it is. Um, but if you've got someone that for 40 years hasn't been able to write a letter, and then all of a sudden he's able to write a letter to his newborn son, that, that's subjective education, that's subjective success, but look at what it's created. He was able for the first time in his life to write a letter and it would have been to the birth of his first son. I mean, that, that to me is just an incredible thing to think when education itself can provide that 
as long as you're open and ready for it. Because if you're not, you can't help anybody. But once you start on that, I know it's been said, but once you start on that path of education and that thirst for knowledge, you become unstoppable. It, it, it becomes a passion and obsession. Everything then becomes a learning experience. Um, a negative effect in your life becomes a learning experience. And so you mentioned that you were excluded from school and the brought out statistics and 88% of people also. Do you think that has a lot to do with people's experience, a lack of interest, not wanting to learn in school, but wanting to learn other things that are important to them at the time? Yeah, of course. Again, it comes down, not, not everyone. I mean, you, you could probably go to a secondary school and you could probably put them into um you might not be correct but i reckon out of the majority you would but you could probably put the youth into three separate areas academic sporty and down the middle if you like that you use fashion retail whatever um any other job <laughs> there you go down the middle and and i think you can do that but then you can also tell the ones that are going to be the criminal justice system because of the challenging disruptive behavior that it always comes back to. Well, that challenging and disrupting behavior is an emotionally immature child trying to tell you that something's wrong. It's just that you're not listening or you're not answering, asking the right questions. How can you expect a 13, 14 year old child that may have suffered child abuse to know the answers or to know the right questions when they can't even work it out for themselves. So how else is that going to come out unless it comes out through talking therapy, through psychological therapy? It's going to come out as challenging and disruptive behavior. Look behind the behavior as to why that behavior is happening because children aren't born shit. <laughs> Something's happened. Something's gone wrong along that way. And until you can find out and uncover what's gone wrong, you can't fix that challenging and disruptive behavior. And if all you're doing is stereotyping going, oh, that's it, he's disruptive and challenging, let's exclude him. He ain't big, he's not gonna mess up our school league table. We wanna finish top of the league this year, let's get rid of them all. Yeah. We're just failing our children. We're not failing, we're failing our children. And, and for me, that's, that's not right, is it? That's not right. I mean, we, we <laughs> We've, um, we've, we've, we've done enough, I mean, I'm not an ecologist or whatever that word is, but um, we've done enough to this planet over the years to ruin things for those following behind. Let's at least start investing our kids and give them an opportunity and a chance to be able to turn things back around again. But if we're just gonna keep feeding our prison system and the criminal justice system with kids, then we're not gonna get anywhere as a nation, are we? Do you know, over the four decades, do you think, that you mentioned about family, um, teamwork, that community spirit. Do you think that's yep. why a lot of people um, reoffend? They go, they go back to prison. Yeah, through of course through being institutionalised. I mean that that is in a way something that I had to fight against myself this time. It wasn't so much um, I was addicted to recidivism. It wasn't that I was addicted to crime. It was that I was addicted to prison. So the crime becomes neither here nor there. That's irrelevant. That's just a vehicle to get back to the situation in what 
the whole point of it was. Um, so yes, you've got that going on. But then you've also got no support. You've, you've got a society that's like, no, no, no. Um, we're still having arguments and debates about whether or not to remove what I believe is a fantastic campaign going around at the moment for employers called Ban the Box Campaign, which is to, listen, you, you've got certain crimes that you're not going to have someone that um, is in for credit card fraud, bank fraud, uh, financial fraud, and then they come out and want to become an accountant or a bank manager. It ain't going to happen. So there are certain crimes that obviously make sense and are common sense. But for me, um, that, and not just for me, but obviously for the employers that are actually involved in the campaign, Virgin Trains are one. But for me, it, it's, it's about, they, they remove that box, remove that have you got any previous convictions box so that you can talk about things. Because as, as I say, we all make mistakes. Everyone makes a mistake in life. Everyone makes a mistake. But it's, it's, it's then what you do with that mistake. It's like, oh yes, I've got a criminal record. But if you can have the opportunity where you can sit down and say, look, in 1995, I made this mistake. I was living this life. I was going through this situation. This had happened to me. However, what I'd done was I'd realized my mistake. Whilst I was in prison, I utilized the resources available to me. I was then able to, you've done that in prison. You haven't done it out here where you've got the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the apron strings of mum and dad, if you like, as much as, I know you still got that in prison, but out here it's a lot more accessible than it is in there. You, you, you're kind of on your own. How, how would you describe that process? Because you, you've put it across quite eloquently how um, sort of taking responsibility but articulating it in the right way. How, how would you describe that in summing it up? Um, it, well, it, but, <laughs> it's got to be over purpose, isn't it? You've got, you've got to talk to people in the right way. Um, and like I say, listen. And once you listen, and, and for people in prison, and you'll, I think you'll find as well that... Um, those that are successful through the prison system and have been able to use the resources available to them in the prison system, and I'm not just talking about this country, and, and one of the shining examples, the USA, the amount of people that spend years and years in prison, because they've managed to turn their life around in prison, they come out, the first thing they do is they volunteer to become a prison reform campaigner because they get it and they know, they know that it's not like, like I said, it's not about Ah, oh, I didn't get my canteen on Friday. How comes my noodles were missing? This is about the real fundamental stuff that makes the difference to not the prison, but to, to society, to, to the individual, to, to everybody. Because obviously, the more successful our criminal justice system, the more successful our prison system, does it not therefore mean the better society will become, the safer society will become? I mean, 95% of people in prison, especially in the UK, are going to be getting out of prison so surely you want them coming out with the right skills the right attitude the right character so that they be they become a tax-paying member of society once again and no longer a statistic within the criminal justice system surely that's what we all want um so it's we need to work together to be able to create that. The, the Ministry of Justice can't do it by themselves. The government can't do it by themselves. Former prisoners can't do it by themselves. The POA, prison officers, can't do it by themselves. So we have to do it as a collective. That's quite profound. You mentioned that. You said that those who um, get sent to prison, at some point they're going to get released. So, mm -hmm. the, so these, young, these people who start out young, 
who most of which get become excluded as yep. children as they get older they get sent they get sent to prison and they get released and they go on to commit more uh, sinister crimes or more, more it's the only life crimes. you know it's the only life you know because no one no one is is taking an interest um in what it is that you need to turn your life around um no one's asking the right questions like i say um to ask for help isn't something everyone is inherently born with it's it's a it's a personal skill that we develop over time and it's a skill that can be taught but you have to ask for, you have to ask for help in the right way you can't Yes, all right, fair enough that, that kids can, sorry, just I'll just stick to kids, that kids can, um, no offence, youth, it's, it's just the same, um, that kids can um, and are naughty and can be challenging and can be disruptive. And I get that. Um, but as I say, that's only because that's their way of dealing whatever it is that they're dealing with um, because they don't understand or know any other way. So unless we intervene, and we intervene early, these are gonna be the future criminals. And to be able to, to if you like, think of it fiscally, um, the more money that we invest in stopping that conveyor belt now, the less we have to invest in the future, the smaller our prison system becomes, the smaller our criminal justice system becomes, the less money that has to be spent on the criminal justice system will therefore follow. But on the back of that, because you've got people that are successfully being released from prison into a society that is allowing them second chances, we've got employers removing ban the, uh, the, 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 the have you got criminal record box so that these things could be discussed at a table face to face and therefore better understood and ex or explained and understood. Um, I think that's that's what we really need to start looking at, um, and and then if 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 all of that took place, I the very very high majority of these successful prisoners being released from prison, once again, will become tax-paying members of society. So you're going to have a criminal budget and a prison system budget dropping. You've already got. A smaller youth justice budget because the investment you made a few years previously and then all of a sudden you've got all of these people that are now becoming successful and they're adding to the pot rather than taking away from the pot so the the the, the, the financial um future benefits are huge <laughs> if, if if anything else forget humanity for a moment forget um it should be our human nature to want others to change and to help them change and to accept that change when they do. But even if you just look at it from a really basic money <laughs> money situation, that, that rather than spending 2.5 billion on building new prisons, we'll be able to spend 2.5 billion on improving potholes in the streets that really do piss people off. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I, I, I was just thinking then about a lot of, some people, they don't have this view that it, will, it is their problem. Because most people who get released from prison, once they go through, it might be hostels, um, they get, majority go to council estates. Yep. So the people who live within the countryside or live in more rural areas, listening to this, they might think, well, I understand it might be a problem, but this problem doesn't affect me. 
I'm all right, Jack. Of course he does. Well, of course he does. Again, again, let's bring it back to money. Um, let's say that living in the rural areas isn't cheap. So the chances are you're working. Therefore, you're paying tax. Even if you're retired and you're receiving a pension in the rural areas, you're paying tax. Your tax is going into prisons. Surely you want the best return on your investment that you possibly can, which again comes back to the return on investment. Where else would you be investing? If it, I mean, unfortunately, you don't get a choice as a taxpayer. It's taken a source and it's given to who the government wants to give it to. But would you continually be giving money to something that doesn't work? <laughs> if like you had a washing, washing repair man, washing machine repair man, he kept coming around, he kept giving 100 quid every time. And each time you had to keep calling him back, calling him back, calling him back because it weren't fixed. What's the point? Where's the, where's the, you might as well just throw it away and go and buy a new one. Um, and in respect of that, that analogy comes to relationships um, that it's beyond fixable. Leaving, dropping, moving at one side, let's get a new one, let's get, let's get a new husband, let's get a new daddy, let's get a new mummy, let's get a new wife. And that's, that's what happens, but um, we all have a responsibility along those lines. So essentially then, if we don't intervene at a young age and help these youngsters from a young age, then they will go on to commit crime. It's not, it's not guaranteed, um, but like I say, um, if you've got, what, three and a half thousand children not in school and they're not in any other support network or the support network they're in is probably two hours playing snooker on a Friday afternoon with your social worker because they haven't got time to spend with you either. All your mates are at school, so you can't hang about with them. You're either going to be a Billy No Mates loner, which in itself can lead to mental health problems later on in life, or you're going to be involved with people that aren't working, that are hanging about on the streets. Well, if you're hanging about on the streets, the chances are there's a good possibility you could be up to no good. You could be selling drugs, you could be doing street robberies, you could be doing whatever. I'm not saying that everyone on the streets is doing those sort of crimes, but what I'm saying is if we look at the media, um, we know that that's what's going on. That these youth are hanging about on the streets because there isn't anything else for them to do. Um, and there really isn't. I mean, we, we can start blaming these kids and these youth when, when we've provided every solution. We haven't. We haven't even provided 10% of the solution. And for me, the government's given up when, when you look at building um, 10,000 new, not, not replacement, but new, prison spaces in the next six years, I think it is. Um, what does that tell you about the government's commitment to reducing offending, reducing re-offending, and in improving the lives of those behind the door? Because all it's going to do is it's going to become more and more and more of a warehouse. So what, so what can like teachers do? Or, yeah, many, many teachers in particular who don't have... Uh, the resources at their disposal, regards financially, to sort of employ, employ, um, employ outside help, as it were. What what can they do to help these youngsters who are going through um, 
trialing situations that are making it difficult for them to come Again, to I mean, it, it's about understanding, isn't it? And it's about providing that support. I mean, it's not as if there isn't support available for children because children are receiving support and are getting better. They're turning their lives around before they actually enter that revolving door of the prison, uh, the prison system. So there are interventions, there is support. There's just not enough money being put into it to provide it for enough people. Um, and these deprived areas, you mentioned council estates, and yeah, that is a stereotypical thing, but it's true as well that council estates are very, very much underfunded and they become, they become growing growth areas for, 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 for youth crime because of boredom. Um, and it's not just boredom, it's, it's not individual boredom, it's collective boredom. It's like when you've got five kids, or yeah, five kids together, they, they, they might come up with some great ideas. The chances are of 10 kids having no one in there that's got an influential bad note on him and starts taking them burglaries and starts taking them car fees, it's very hard not to envisage. So, um, again, you, the more the more that we're putting these kids on the street by not providing alternative provision, so they don't have to go on the streets. Um, I mean, as a society, we're, we're, we're banging on about parents looking after their kids, but I'm also banging on about parents being able to pay for their kids. So. The only way that you can pay for your kids these days is by going to work. You're going to work all the time. You don't have time to spend with your kids. So the kids then become the responsibility of the school. And I'm not saying that it's down to individual people because there are some, I've, I've been fortunate over the years to be able to have met some very, very supportive Florence Nightingale, um, nicest people in the world that you'd ever want to meet and would make such a difference in, in a community, a society, a nation's life, were these type of people given the funding and the resources um, to be able to do that. Um, it just seems as if all we want to do is just do enough to keep the criminal justice system off the front page of the newspapers, and I don't think that's right. Yeah, this, um... This community teamwork, critical decision, and problem-solving skills are these are these the primary um, are the primary skill set that you think schools should be looking to sort of fund if they can get the investment to? Yeah, of course. I mean, stop, stop, stop teaching these kids to pass exams. Teaching them how to live—that's what we need to start doing. I mean, it's all well in good. Um, Johnny coming home with an A plus um, on his algebra or whatever, but unless that's going to equate to how he can relate that to real life, it's irrelevant. It's just giving someone knowledge for the sake of giving them knowledge. It's like, well done, you can count. What does that mean? Well, it means I can count. Yeah, but what does it mean? Well, it means I can count. Yeah, but what does it mean? It means I can count. Well, no, it means. You can understand what an APR is. It means you can understand how your bank account works. It means what happens if you have to get some benefits and they want to take 22% off for the debt that you've got to pay back because your court fines are coming at 85 pounds for the victim surcharge. That is what that does for you. <laughs> so it's like, 
but they've done this just like well why am i learning this because you are why because you are but why and they're teaching you and again it's not the teachers fault as i say there's brilliant teachers out there it's it's, it's the policies and it's the management that's where the, 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 the issues lie. i mean on the back of the, the the policy is only good as the people managing it well the people are only as good as the policy so it works both ways um so therefore it's about looking at the value and designing the value and then work back well here's the value to this problem so here's the here's the solution to me it makes sense but it seems to be um i don't know i mean the information that i seem to have available to me um that i research online to write my blogs must be blocked to the government and the ministry of justice because the answers are there it, it, it's staring you in front of the face it, it's just um do you know education um i wrote this in a blog the other day that education provision costs between 1200 and 1300 pound per person for argument's sake the return on that investment is 6300 to 6500 so that's near enough a one in five return on investment for every child that we invest in in respect of education i mean one in five five to one who wouldn't be happy about going into william hill and having a tenner on a five to one shot and it coming every single time every single time i know i wouldn't be bad with it might have a few non-runners on that again but um near enough every time it'll come in wouldn't it so 60 quid in your pocket every time just because you've invested that one pound or that 10 pound in the bench but yeah just just because of that one pound invested you're going to save a fiver who wouldn't take that <laughs> that's great i'm just thinking for those who, at a minute who maybe have just got released from prison and listening listening to this obviously you've had experience from uh being released from prison and making the wrong choices to go back inside again but obviously you've also had experience like you are now of making the right choices and saying what what advice would you give to those well for one come we all know and and, and this might be teaching your name to suck eggs but coming out of prison isn't easy it can be and we're not talking about someone that's been in prison for years i mean couple of weeks could really have a we don't know what's going on in that prison with that person so a couple of weeks could be a huge effect on somebody's life and yet we um we profess to this prison reform and and that we have a reintegration to society and we're, we're just dropping prisoners out of the gate before we sit a quid in their pocket cheers mate see you soon um so for for the guys coming out it's like listen you've got to put the effort in yourself it's not going to happen for you it's as simple as that that that's that's number one no one's going to come here you go you've got to want it you've you, you've got you've got to want a better life you've got to want that change prison does not reform anybody it doesn't stop crime it doesn't cut crime and it does not rehabilitate people rehabilitate and and for me it's not even about rehabilitation because the um literal definition of rehabilitation is is to return someone's self back to their former self trust me i don't want to go back to all of that i don't want to, i don't want to go through that life again so for me it's about reform and and it's 
rehabilitation, I've said this at my TED talk, that rehabilitation is an attitude. Reform is the process, and to unlock it is education. And that's not just academic education, again, that's vocational and those transferable skills, that in order an individual, that sorry, enable an individual to educate themselves about themselves, about the environment that they are in that's around them, and then the environment as a whole. And then that way, once they can, once you can understand, you can empathize, you can see things, you can start, when we talked about consequences of crime, well, if everyone thought about consequence, we wouldn't have a criminal justice system. So obviously there's something that's slightly gone wrong between the, in the wiring between the commitment of something and the consequence of something. So what you need to do is you obviously, that's, that's the area you need to work in, but the commitment to education, the commitment to change, the consequence of that is unlimited. It really is unlimited. It, I mean, my life is surreal. I, I, I share stuff with um, a couple of mates, uh, Pete and Jack, uh, or Offender Agenda, as they are on Twitter. Um, I sort of blog on their site as well. It's, we, if you like, it's an opportunity for other people, other prisoners to be able to have a platform to share their experiences from. And that's what a vendor agenda really is. It's about um, putting a prisoner first and giving prisoners a voice, um, which sounds quite cliche, because there are a lot out there that are doing it, but I think we've got quite um, a unique, a unique uh, uh, team behind Offender Agenda. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's find the support, find the support that's right for you. Um, change for you, be selfish and change for you. And um, it ain't gonna happen overnight, but within time, once you start putting that effort in, it's like anything, isn't it? The more you put in, the more you get out. The more you plan for a crime, the less likely you're gonna be caught. The more likely, sorry, the more you put in to turning your life around, the more chance you have of being successful. It works both ways. It comes down to choice and decision. You can either become adept at crime or you can decide, I've had enough of that life and be adept at turning your life around. Just transferable skills. Same thing, you just putting your efforts into something else, that's all. And believe you me, this, the one on where you use your transferable skills to improve life rather than live life and survive life, which is why most people commit crime. It's a lot better life. <laughs> For one, every time the door knocks, you ain't got to panic, wondering whether it's the old bill and start getting over the back fence. That's, that's one benefit, I'm telling you. It's a huge benefit. <laughs> that's a great benefit. I, um, I think that's, that's a great way to end this uh, podcast. Because the theme of this is the power of choice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a great, great way to, to finish on. Thanks very much for coming on the show, David. Ashley, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you again. Thank you to you and also people like yourself that um, provide these platforms for people with lived, lived experience, not just in the criminal justice system, um, but there are other um, organisations out there and podcasts out there that enable people to share their experiences of mental health, share their experiences of work. So this is the way that 
if you like, as a society, um, we can all invest together by listening to these podcasts, by, if you like, giving gratitude to people like yourself for providing these platforms for people to be able to listen to another perspective and not the Daily Mail um, and not your know, local council that wants your vote, but real people that want real change for the right reasons. Thank you, David, for sharing your experience and insight in this week's show, The Power of Choice. If what you have heard resonates and you would like to support David, you can do so by connecting up with David on LinkedIn or you can contact myself and I will be more than happy to make an introduction. Also, if you would like to support myself, I'm currently putting together a programme enabling educational practitioners, teachers and law enforcement become better equipped in protecting themselves and those they work with in the community from being groomed in any context. Please visit cybersavvy.tech. Once again, thank you for listening.